Well, our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. So since we have such a hope, we act with great confidence. We aren't like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites couldn't watch the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. Right up to the present day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. The veil is not removed because it is taken away by Christ. Even today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking into a mirror. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is why we don't get discouraged. Given that we received this ministry in the same way that we received God's mercy, Instead, we reject secrecy and shameful actions. We don't use deception and we don't tamper with God's word. Instead, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God by the public announcement of the truth. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You're probably familiar with the idea of wearing rose-colored glasses. It's a well-known phrase that refers to the way in which we see the world around us. To see the world through rose-colored glasses is to be optimistic and cheery and hopeful, even to the extent of sometimes being naive or completely unrealistic. We swap out our regular pair of glasses for a pair with a pink tint to them, and suddenly the world becomes a much rosier, much lovelier place. But does anyone know where this phrase actually comes from? Well, I did some research this week, and I found two different theories. One of them goes back to the days of hand-drawn maps and the cartographers who created them. In these days, it was hard to find a cloth that was soft enough for the map makers to safely clean their magnifying eyeglasses without scratching or blurring them. And so the story goes that the map makers actually used rose petals to polish their glasses before getting into some of the more intricate details of their work. And presumably, after many polishes, the rose petals left behind a pink-colored residue on the lenses that would tint the map maker's vision. 
So that sounds really interesting, but the only thing is that this, does, this theory doesn't really explain the cheerful disposition associated with wearing rose-colored glasses. And so I found another theory that suggests that the phrase isn't actually referring to eyeglasses, but to drinking glasses. After all, a recently emptied glass of red wine, for instance, might still hold enough of the beverage to give a rose-colored view of someone looking through the glass. And it would certainly give the association of having a rosy, optimistic outlook on the world, too. So who knows? Regardless of where the term originated, it's true, even today, in vision science, that wearing different colored lenses or looking through different colored glasses can enhance the ways in which we see. For instance, green lenses are often helpful to athletes when playing outdoors in green areas, like golf or tennis. Gray lenses reduce glare, especially on the water, so they're helpful for fishing and driving. Many of us these days are wearing blue light glasses to reduce the glare after staring at our computer screens for hours upon end. Yellow and orange lenses are excellent for depth perception, and athletes use them in indoor and outdoor sports. And pink, red, and rose-colored glasses can actually enhance the details we see. They suddenly bring the world into a sharper, brighter focus. But scientists also say that there are some downsides to wearing rose-colored glasses. In fact, some people have voiced concern that they could actually be dangerous. For instance, making red traffic lights or red stop signs harder to notice as you're driving. And even the metaphorical glasses have their downside, right? For instance, the tendency to always see things in a favorable light can create challenges for entrepreneurs. Characters in the popular show Silicon Valley have named this the rose-colored glasses syndrome, which describes the tendency of individuals to ignore or minimize problematic realities that later become business-threatening issues. As one singer-songwriter puts it, you can't see red flags through rose-colored glasses. I wonder this morning, what are some of the lenses that you and I wear that impact the ways in which we see the world? Perhaps the way you grew up is a type of lens that you wear. The traditions and experiences that formed you for better or for worse. How many trips you've taken around the sun gives you a particular type of lens to wear. Your race and ethnicity, your family of origin, the place you call home, your gender and sexual orientation, each of these experiences and identities work closely together to create a different kind of lens we wear. And no two people's lenses are exactly the same. I don't know that any of us needs to wear rose-colored glasses, but I've often thought how 
life-changing it might be. If we could create a pair of glasses that would help us to see the world in the ways that somebody else sees it. For instance, if Roy and if Arlette could exchange glasses and suddenly Arlette could see the world as Roy sees it and Roy could see it as Arlette sees it, how transformative would that be? Because like that old adage about the blind men surrounding the elephant, each describing its different parts, we each encounter the world around us in different ways. And try as we might, each of us brings different layers and lenses of experience that affect our perception of what is there. But perhaps the ultimate goal is for us to learn to name our different lenses, to become aware of our own biases enough that we can take them off and to see the world face to face. Today's scripture passages give us another image to describe the ways in which we see the world, not through glasses, but through a veil. Scripture often references this veil between us and the world around us. In fact, if you remember to the passage that Jim England read, Moses wore a veil in front of the Israelites. But when he approached God, Moses took off the veil so that he could see God face to face, which is also what we see happen at the transfiguration that we read in the New Testament. And I believe that this is the invitation And this is the challenge offered in this text in 2 Corinthians, that we might learn to take down the veils of preconceived notions and perceptions that color the ways in which we see the world around us in order to really see God's world face to face. Because whenever we can do that, Whenever we can develop the awareness to see and to name and then to set aside the veils that we wear, I believe that that's when transfiguration and transformation really begins to take place within us. As Bible scholar Amy Freikholm writes, learning to see in new ways is one of the most difficult spiritual tasks of the transformed life. Old habits of selective vision, old choices about what to leave out, what to focus on, tend to dominate us, even as we search for new ways of seeing that are in closer communion with the life of the Spirit. Transfiguration, that mysterious transformation of vision that is narrated in all of today's readings, is a radical, if brief, way of illumination. It's like what Thomas Merton was experiencing at the corner of 4th and Walnut when he was looking around and suddenly saw people walking around downtown Louisville shining like the sun. If only everyone could see this, he writes. But far too often we put our shades back on. We keep our heads buried down beneath us. We are looking on our phones, and we don't even notice anything different than what we might normally see. But like Pastor John Ames says at the end of the novel Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, wherever you turn your eyes, 
The world can shine like transfiguration. You don't have to bring a thing to it except a little willingness to see. Only who could have the courage to see it? And so I wonder this morning what it would look like for you and for me to have the courage to really see God's world. Perhaps it begins with lifting the veils that are hanging over us. Civil rights activist and historian W.E.B. Du Bois often referenced one of the veils that impacts the ways in which we see the world around us, and he called the veil racism. It hangs there, he writes, between then and now, between black and white, between you and me. Surely it is but a thought thing, tenuous, intangible, Yet just as surely is it true and terrible, he writes. And not in our little days may you or I fully lift it. And here we are over a hundred years after Du Bois first wrote these words. And I don't know how much any of us has managed to lift that veil that hangs between us. Or maybe, maybe we are beginning to lift it, beginning to see, beginning to understand. But what we see behind that veil is so true and terrible, like Du Bois wrote. It's so saturated and ingrained in the world around us that we don't know what to do about it or where to begin. And sometimes I wonder if we would rather just let the veil hang there instead. But as author and activist... Adrienne Marie Brown puts it, things are not getting worse, they are finally getting uncovered. Our job is to hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. You know, in many ways, Highland, I believe that we are like the church at Corinth. And that this veil that has been covering our eyes for far too long is finally being pulled away, like the author writes. We are waking up to the experiences of people of color across our country and even right here in Louisville. I know my predecessor, Pastor Joe Phelps, did groundbreaking work here at Highland to begin pulling back that veil. And then with Lauren Jones Mayfield's creative leadership and nurturing the work of the anti-racism team, that veil has continued to be pulled back. It was pulled back even further a few years ago when the church discovered a troubling reality. That some of the figures in our stained glass windows, these beloved figures who have watched over our community of faith, week after week within these stone walls. Some of them were once enslavers, and one held deep segregationist views that denied the humanity of our black siblings. That veil has been removed, Highland, and now that we know this, we can't not see it anymore. 
And when I arrived, the ministry council had just put together a team of people to learn more about some of these figures and to explore options of how we as a church might begin to respond. That team is what we developed into the reparations task force. And over the past year and a half with prayer and patience and depth and discernment, this team has been holding each other tight and continuing to pull back the veil to learn how we as a church have been complicit in, participated in, or benefited from the racist structures and systems in our city. This afternoon, we are going to have a conversation as a church about one facet of this work, and that is about our windows. And whether you come in person or on Zoom, I really hope you will join us. But as you come, I'd like to ask you to come prayerfully and intentionally with, with this question in mind. I'd like you to ask yourself, what veil am I wearing as I approach this conversation? What is the lens through which I am seeing this situation? And then I invite you to really listen to one another today and to hear how others might be looking through a different lens that you haven't seen through before. Because my ultimate hope is that none of us will come to this conversation with a veil covering up our face with our minds made up already. Yes, it's absolutely true. We can't unsee this. That much is clear. And if Highland is who we say we are, then we have to address these figures somehow. Otherwise, we are no different than the seminary down the road who uncovered some similar truths within their school and did nothing. And yet there are a diversity of incredible and beautiful ideas about how we might respond. There are ideas and perspectives among our staff and our task force, our congregation, even our black consultants that we have asked to guide us in this work. We've published a list of this, them for you, and as you can imagine, there are about as many views as there are the lenses through which we see. And so as your pastor, I am asking you to come to this conversation with open eyes, mind, and soul. I'm asking you to come with a spirit of curiosity and courage with a willingness to take off your own glasses and to try on someone else's. And most of all, I'm asking you to enter into this conversation with love. Because ultimately, I believe that what pulls back the veil between us is love. We know this. We have seen it firsthand. That when you have a name and a face and a story, that veil is removed as love makes its way into the forefront. Love is what allows us to see one another face to face just as God sees us. One of my favorite writers, Frederick Beekner, says, If we are to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors. 
with imagination as well as with our eyes. That is to say, like artists, we must see not only their faces, but the life behind and within their faces. Love must be the frame in which we see them. And so, Highland, whatever glasses you find yourself wearing these days, may love be the frame through which you see one another. May love be the frame through which you see the person sitting right beside you today. May love be the frame through which you see the person standing on the street corner. May love be the frame through which you see the world. And friends, may love be the frame through which you see yourself just as God sees you. Wherever you turn your eyes, the world can shine like Transfiguration Highland. You don't have to bring a thing to it except a little willingness to see. Only who could have the courage to see? May it be so of us. Amen.